The following is a sermon from the Vicar at Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Over the next couple of weeks here at Sure Foundation, we are going to cover, like I said at the beginning of the service, one of the greatest chapters of the Bible, Romans chapter 8. And today, these first four verses are really, they're the door to all that follows throughout Romans 8. It's a little bit unfair of me. I'm dropping us into a multi-chapter argument that Paul has been making since Romans 6, since Romans 7. And really, we're just, we're kind of hitting the climax point and hitting the highest point of his argument. But these first four verses that we see in Romans 8, they are jarring. They are jarring and they are something that we need to know down to the innermost parts of our bones to be able to understand Romans chapter 8, but also to understand the spirit-filled life and the new life that we can start living right this very moment. So I'd invite you, if you're in the church, open up your bulletins to chapter 10, to the verses there. And if you're at home watching with us on Zoom, Zoom, Open up your Bibles to the, Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 1 to 4. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin, condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Have any of you guys seen this before? Some people will call it Flex Seal. We have, at home, we have the knockoff brand. We have Quick Seal <laughs> at home. Or have you guys seen something like this, OxyClean? I bet you guys maybe have seen some of the commercials where Phil Swift or Billy Mays will come in and they'll be like, OxyClean, Flex Seal, you need this right now. Something like that. When you guys see those guys come onto your TV, you know they're about to pitch you something. They're going to pitch you a product that you have to have right now. And in the case of something like Quicksail, they're willing to buy a boat. They're willing to cut a hole in the bottom. They're willing to put a screen door on the bottom, fill it up completely with their Flex Seal, pitch it completely black, and then they're willing to go and drive it in the Hudson River to prove to you that their product does exactly what it says. For Flex Seal, they're going to keep all of the water out, right? So they're going to ride a boat down the Hudson River that's been fixed only with their product to show you the same thing. Or in the case of OxyClean, Phil Swift is going to show, or Billy Mays is going to show you this. He's going to grab grandma's favorite antique blanket that you've had that's been in your family for 75, 80 years. He's going to put a two liter of Coke. He's going to dump it right on top of that blanket. And then in an instant, he's going to fix it with OxyClean and he's going to make it completely brand new as if nothing had ever happened before. Now, I'm not going to make the claim that the Apostle Paul is like one of these pitchmen that we see on these as on scene on TV commercials. But what he says here in verse verse 1 of this chapter is especially jarring. 
This is the door to all that follows so that we can understand Romans 8. And, and the truth is, to be able to understand Romans 8, the entire chapter, we have to be able to understand these first four verses. We have to know these truths all the way to our innermost being, all the way down into our bones, because this is the new reality for us. This is the new life that you can start living right now. It starts by understanding that there is now no condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus. And this empowers us to spirit-filled living in the world. Now, I mentioned this a little earlier. It's a little bit unfair what I'm doing to us. Like Paul, Paul is in the middle of this multi-chapter argument. He's been going on and on, a, on about things, about how he was, he was a slave, a slave to sin. But now we're slaves to righteousness. The whole, the whole perspective has completely changed. He's talked to us and said that we are dead in sin, but now we are alive in the Spirit. Then Paul gets really personal, really personal. And he brings you into his mind. He brings you into his thought processes, the things that he says about himself. Listen to some of the things he says in Romans 7. He talks about how sin had seized the opportunity afforded by God's commandments, how sin had deceived him, and now through the commandments had put him to death. Paul says, I don't understand the things that I do. I want to do good, but every time I try and do some good, I end up doing the opposite. I end up sinning. I do the opposite. What an absolute wretched man that I am. Paul puts into writing thoughts that are going on in his head that if he said them out loud, we would say that your self-talk is downright depressive, Paul. There are things you need to get out. But that's not how God sees Paul. That's not how God sees any of us. When God looks at you, when God looks at his children, he sees Christ. Do you remember what it says in Colossians 3? It says this, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. These are binding and these are legal terms that Christ is you or that Paul is using through the apostle Paul. He's saying that you can go to the jury already knowing that you're not guilty. Already know that you're innocent. You can save your legal fees and save them for something else. You can go in front of the jury, you can go in front of the judge and know that you are innocent. You are not guilty. You are not condemned. That's how Christ sees you. The law that was power, that's become powerless because of our sinful flesh cannot save you. Christ is the only one that can. You have to know this. I'm going to repeat it a million times. You have to know this, that you are not condemned. You are not condemned because of Christ did for you. But there's a difference between condemnation and consequences. Those are some words that sound pretty similar, but really the reality is something completely different. If you, take this for example, if you were to drive your car and you were to blast down Roosevelt Avenue going 75 miles an hour, weaving in and out of the buses, weaving in and out of the cars that were parked by, weaving, dodging some of the people that were trying to get across the street really quick, what might happen is if you get caught going 75 down Roosevelt Avenue, you might get a ticket. And after you've gotten a couple more of these tickets, there's a chance that you might end up in jail. But jail is only temporary, right? Jail is not eternal. Condemnation, that's a consequence of your action. Condemnation is hell. 
Condemnation is being damned to eternity. Condemnation is eternity. Remember what we talked about last week, how, the, how there was the professor who would illustrate it. He would bring out the ruler and he said, this is about your life, the, the rest of it, that's eternity. Condemnation is the other 49 feet of the 50-foot ruler that we talked about last week. Condemnation is hell. Hell is forfeiting love and grace. Hell is forfeiting the presence of God, our Savior. But that condemnation does not exist for you in Christ Jesus. But the consequences of sin do. You've heard that you're under no condemnation. Paul wrote it to you. I've said it to you a couple times. You've probably heard it a million times at this church too. But if you're to walk around New York City, live in it for a while, the scale of sin and the scale of death and the scale of all the wrong and evil in the world, it starts to weigh on you doesn't it? It starts to weigh on me. It starts to weigh on you, and you just want to be able to get out of it. Have you heard of any of these things? They're called sensory deprivation tanks. Any of you ever heard of this? Mark's heard of it. Some people, maybe more popular is darkness retreats that are going on right now. There's a certain Jets quarterback who's pretty into darkness retreats right now. But the whole idea of it is basically you put, you put on the blinders, you want to be able to get, block out all of the outside stimulus, block out all of the outside noise, and then you can just focus on yourself. You can just focus on your thoughts and as if that will be able to help you out to be able to think a little bit clearer. Does that sound freeing? To be locked in a dark space with only your thoughts to think about? Maybe for some it does, but for me, it freaks me out. Do you know what kinds of things I say about myself when I'm just alone in my thoughts? How could I possibly have done that? How did that sin happen again? How does this word apply to me? Vicar, if you want me to just like lock myself in my own thoughts, do you know the things that I think about? The things I did 10, 15 years ago? The sins I committed this morning and then now I came and sat in church and now I have to listen to you figure out to talk about sin all again. I've heard that I'm under this no condemnation thing that you've been saying, but I can't stop sinning. The things I want to do good, the things I want to do good, I end up doing the opposite. I don't know how to think about myself. I want to be better. I want to try a bit harder. But everything I do and everything else everyone else tries to tell me to do, it doesn't seem to be working. Vicar, what I say about myself is that I'm never enough. That the sin overwhelms me. And that I think about it all the time and it's constantly over us. We are so quick to condemn ourselves. We are willing to put words in our accusers' mouths. We're willing to put the gun in their hands so that they can put us to death. But let me ask you this. Why do you say words about yourself and why do you say these things about yourself that God does not say about you? Why do you condemn yourself so quickly in your sin when God says that I have forgiven you? Why do you condemn yourself for the situation that you've been living in, the hand that you've been dealt, and feeling like you can't get out of it when God says that I have a plan and a promise for you? We live in a sinful flesh. 
And what sinful flesh and sin wants to do is it wants to put you by yourself. It wants to isolate you so that you feel like you can't possibly get out and it wants to fester. It wants to brood. It wants to grow. It wants to become a bigger problem than it already is. It wants to go unexposed and it wants to go unconfessed. But for people like you, God sent his son into the world to pay for all of the sins of the world so that those who believe in him may have eternal life. You have to know this. You are not condemned. Not ever. It's gone completely. It's gone forever. Your condemnation has been erased. Don't condemn yourself because God has not condemned you. Knowing this, we can be empowered to live our new life. And if our new life is to really be life, it can't be a return to the law. It can't be a return to the law and self-ordained and self-commissioned condemnation, locking ourselves in a box. It has to be in Christ. And that new life starts with the recognition that we are in Christ. That's something you've probably heard a million times. Your new life begins when you realize that the Holy Spirit who dwells in you is right there beside you. This isn't a thing where sometimes cartoons get it wrong, where they put an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other. It's not like they're talking back and forth, not like they're badgering each other and playing each other up in our minds. What I'm saying is that Christ, the Spirit who is inside you, is inside your head, and Christ controls you. And Christ has made you new. And Christ is the one who empowers you to live a holy life. Nothing that you could ever have done, but Christ empowers you to live this new life. And you have it. And it starts here. It starts right now that you live in Christ Jesus. That old flesh wants you to forget about it. But it starts right now. New life starts right now. A lot of Christians will talk about how they want to have an experience with God or they want to be able to experience the presence of God. This is how you do it. This is how you experience God. You experience the Spirit by what he does. Understanding our, our Christian life as we have it is to experience and know and understand what it means to be free from obligations of the law, free from the accusations that sin puts on us, free from the accusations that the devil puts on us, free to live as new creations in this world. And that's true only because of Christ Jesus who came into this world in the likeness of sinful flesh to pay for the sins of the whole world on the cross. This is a real experience of God because it comes from a real God who took on real flesh, who came into a real world and faced real temptations. This is a God who knows what we're going through because he lived it too. It's a real God. This is a real experience. And it comes from convincing certainty in the word of God that says it's true. The law could not do this. It's impossible. It's an impossibility. Only Christ could do this for you. Maybe you guys remember this from John 8. But Jesus was sitting in the temple courts. And then the Pharisees ended up bringing a woman who was condemned to adultery in front of them. 
They circled around Jesus, put her right in front of Jesus, and they said, this woman has been condemned to adultery. And the law of Moses says that we are to stone this woman. Jesus, what say you? Jesus took in the question. Eventually, he kneeled down and he started to draw in the ground. After he drew in the ground, he said to the people, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at this woman. Eventually, every Pharisee started walking slowly away. One by one, they started to go away until it was just Jesus and this woman in front of them. And then Jesus asked this woman, now who has condemned you? No one, sir. No one's condemned me. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go on. Go and live your life. Go and sin no more. You are not condemned. Jesus has not condemned you. And neither do I. Go ahead and live your life knowing you are under no condemnation. Your new life starts right now. Amen.